Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Strick and Roll. This is episode seven. Uh, I am joined by somebody who I've never podcasted with before, uh, so hopefully it works out fine. I'm joined by Prez. It's at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how does it feel? You know, long-time listener, first-time guest. I feel very honored to uh, finally make it to the big time here. <laughs> yeah, you're... you're... You're here now. Uh, all the uh, $9 Patreon subscribers can listen to you now on this pod, too. So it's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll be highly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we get started, uh, I do want to mention that the Strickland has a promotion to offer you. Uh, if you're looking for tickets to a Knicks game, this is a Knicks podcast. Uh, make sure you use Ticket IQ. And if you use the code which is simply Strickland, uh, that'll give you $10 off any order of $100 or more. Uh, again, that code is Strickland, and that is on Ticket IQ. I promise you I will get better at this specific ad read. Uh, but now that we've gotten that out of the way, Prez, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Knicks who have made, I would say, not an, not a massive move. This is not exactly uh, trading Kristaps Porzingis or anything of that ilk, but um, I would say a consequential move, trading Kevin Knox. Uh, that part is not that consequential. Uh, but trading Kevin Knox and a 2022 Charlotte first-round pick, uh, protected pick um, for Cam Reddish and Solomon Hill, who fairly sure is going to get waived because he's already out for the season. And a 2025 Brooklyn second-round pick. Obviously, the headline piece here uh, is Cam Reddish. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on him. So before uh, you know, we kind of get into how he fits and how he's played in the NBA so far, but like, I don't remember. But when he was a prospect coming out, I mean, were you? Because he's, I mean, he's still a very polarizing player. But like, he was obviously a polarizing prospect. Were you? Were you a Cam believer, or were you like, I don't know? Um, so it depends what point in the cycle. So by the time the draft came around, I was very much anti-cam. Um, I like, I, I get it. I got it. I understood the, uh, it's kind of like it is now. Like I understood the appeal, but I wanted no parts of it for the Knicks. Um, you know, that was the RJ draft, right? So like I was low on RJ, so I was definitely saying they should at least consider trading down, but not for cam. (laughs) So, uh, I, he was, he was just so woefully inefficient in college and he was so unathletic um, functionally uh, that I just wasn't interested in him as a player, really, even though you could squint and see the outlines of, you know, the the wing, the wing shot creator or whatever. But if you rewind further back to before that season, uh, I was really high on Cam 
um, like everybody coming coming into that season, he was the number three player in the country behind his teammates. So, uh, like, you would see the footage of him. He played some point guard in high school. He played some forward. He shot such an easy ball. He clearly had some ankle breakers, so that's an easy way to rope Prez in. Uh, he's obviously 6'8 with a 7'1 wingspan. So, like, I was... Like everyone, I was pretty high on him and then pretty disappointed. Um, but I definitely was far from Cam Hive by the time the draft came around. Yeah, I was like very... like The thing that's really... So he's like very much not a player that I would ever like... No, he's like the opposite. Yeah, he like... There's <laughs> nothing about him that... Because everything about him is about like... It's about the tools. It's not about like... You cannot point to a stat sheet and be like, well, like... Like the really the only thing you could point at if you just look at his NBA career, uh, so forget college, throw that out because if you because I know that he, I think he had some like ankle issues and stuff there too, which again he has now. So like you know he's had a lot of injury issues to begin with in throughout the last three or four years. So you're hoping that maybe he's like this is part of growing into his body. I think, um, but anyway, um, like if you just look at his you know basketball reference page, the one thing that you could point to and be like, see that's good. Uh, is basically like the three-point shooting this season. If you just look at the raw, like you're not and, breaking it down. Right, and the it's, defense last season. But Yeah, it's so season. it's like <laughs> very, very, very like, this is all a projection with him. This is all like, I mean, I, I messaged you this earlier, but like, I think this is probably the biggest bet they've made. I mean, it's and it's not like, trust me, I'm not saying this is like, they clearly did not make a, a franchise-altering price. Like, they didn't, give up the farm for this guy right it's not but a it high is, stakes bet yeah it, but it is a big bet in terms of like the only way you're going to like this is not a guy who if you just look at his per 36 you're like see he's gonna be great like it's not like that this is like a guy where you're looking at a pretty unimpressive statistical profile but when you do watch the film and i, I would say this is the biggest difference from watching him in the nba to watching him in college is in college i agree with you that it was like i didn't see i didn't even see really the flashes of like functional athleticism shot creation playmaking that i could buy into whereas i think in the nba you have seen those flashes from him um and i don't know if that was maybe he was hurt more in college than he wasn't in the pros or something but like you can definitely see those flashes i think uh when you watch him but like they are flashes they are they're really flashes and um you know he's had a lot of rumored issues with consistently having the right uh i don't want to say approach because that hints at having a bad work ethic which i have no idea about with him but uh it lacks intensity on the court i think is probably a good way of saying it um and you know that's obviously like you're coming to get coached by tom thibodeau like let's see how that goes um and i, I don't know like it's just a really interesting because like it, it is for me like it's like in a vacuum, I don't know if I would have traded the Charlotte pick. For, like, if I could, if I could have traded it for, if you gave me a list of like thirty guys in the NBA that would have gone for that price, I don't know if I would have done it for Cam Reddish. But like, I don't think that price, that price is about what I figured he would go for at some point. Um, and I think like, even though I personally probably would not have done that. I think it's a completely fine price to pay and it's a reasonable bet to make because 
those flashes are like i mean you watch the way sometimes when you see him in transition especially like he's six eight the way he just gobbles up the space in front of a defender like you know sometimes you watch rj in transition bring the ball up right and he's the defender's backpedaling he doesn't make up that space in between him and the defender that fast right like he doesn't take those long strides that all of a sudden like if you're the defender you're like holy shit dude this dude is like already here like what the hell am i supposed to do and i think that's some of his that's some of the struggles he has at times in terms of finishing um but when you watch cam and just like the flashes the good flashes it's like the way he moves in space and how much distance he can cover is like i mean you're talking about that big wing archetype score like you understand why there are people that like will ride or die on the you know Cam Reddish 20 point per game wing scored Paul George type dude, you know, like you can see those flashes, but they're flashes. And I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know where you stand on this. Cause I know you have a lot of thoughts about development and all those kind of things, but like, you know, I, it's just a really interesting bet to me because it's a very big bet on, we believe in Johnny Bryant and Kenny Payne and all these development guys that we've added. Yeah, we, uh, I, it was a long time ago. Or and just, and sorry, I just want to say this. I know there'll probably be people that are like, well, it sounds like Kevin Knox. Like the flashes with Cam are like, like they're like on a different fucking planet to whatever flashes Kevin Knox showed. Yeah. One, one way of kind of articulating Cam as an athlete is he's a really fluid mover, but he's a bad athlete. So he, he's coordinated in terms of like you said, taking strides and going in different directions and he can organize his feet to take step backs or to take hard Euro steps. They're not always good decisions, but he can do the movement. But in terms of explosiveness, he's kind of shitty. He, he can, he'll get some cool dunks if he has like nobody in front of him. Um, he's similar to RJ in that way. I was going to say, it sounds like somebody I know. Sounds like every Nick, <laughs> um, except Obi. And uh, but he's he does he he finishes he finishes like a like a six foot two guard half the time. That's why his his finishing his rim numbers. He shoots fifty six at the rim. It's not good, especially considering how big he is. Um, I had normally have a rule that like if you're above six six, I don't really worry about your finishing. But that's because I don't normally. People that tall are also probably a little athletic in the NBA, and that's not really the case with Cam. So, like, you do have to worry about his his finishing. Um, uh, you did have a good year at the rim last year. Just throw yeah, that out there sixty five yeah. and a half percent on Basketball Reference. I don't know what it is on NBA.com. I'll look it up right now. Yeah, he's um he had to do he had to create more of his shots because Atlanta don't got nobody who could dribble the ball except for Trey Young and Delon Wright. So, uh. That combined with his bad shot selection, combined with his poor athleticism, equals a lot of opportunities for him to tank his <laughs> rim field goal percentage. If he, if he had the, the you know the rim shot diet of like, you know a very complimentary play of like Evan Fournier or something, I'm sure it would be a very passable number, just like Evan Fournier's is, where it's like, oh, I'm mostly shooting the open ones, the good ones. Stuff like that. Um, but he has are always like, oh, split the double, then go between two defenders and scoop shot on the other side. He he does like to think of himself as a 
six eight Kyrie Irving. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, which kind of brings me to the main to what you started talking about developmental bets. We saw last year, um, we saw the first instances of this front office dabbling in developmental bets um, with Deuce and with Rokas. Not so much Rokas because he's overseas, so they're not directly impacting his development quite as much. But uh, but with Deuce, you really are. Um, he's a player who they're morphing into an indif- entirely different kind of pro than he was in college. Um, you know, we, he hasn't played that much, so we haven't gotten to see it in the big leagues, but you could see it in the G league where, you know, they're turning him into a guy who runs a thousand pick and rolls and takes pull up threes, which is very far from what he was in, uh, in West Virginia, where he ran hardly any pick and rolls and hardly shot pull up threes. Um, he shot a zillion pull up twos and posted guys up, because it's college and things are weird. So, um, you know, we've seen them dabble in that. Um, we've seen them do it with Quickly and with Obi as well, right? Like the bet with Quickly was he wasn't a point guard at Kentucky. We can turn him into more of an on-ball player and it's working. And with Obi, the bet was uh, we can develop his shooting and we can develop his defense. In a plot twist, it's his defense that has been developed a little bit further than his shot. But, you know, there's still plenty of time. So this is a real big developmental swing uh, in the sense that um, he has a lot of room for growth. But it's different from those other guys in that you're not developing the skill. You're developing habits with Cam. Um, you, he's going to have to come here and buy in on defense. Like, we we like to talk about his defensive potential. And you'll hear people talk about how good he was on defense. But he hasn't been good on defense this year. Nobody on the Hawks has been good on defense except Clint Capella very recently, and that was it. Literally, they're the third worst defense in the NBA. Cam has, according to people who have watched the Hawks more than me, like just settled into being a gambler and not really a sound positional defender, which yeah. obviously you know that's not going to fly with Tibbs. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, you you we said on the other pod we did that like you don't trade a first protected as it may be for somebody who's not going to play but it'll be very interesting to see how Tibbs as a coach who's not the person who traded for him reacts to his lapses on defense and his lapses on offense because there's nobody who really does that on on the Knicks right now right like mm-hmm. Obi does that on both ends and because he's a rookie Tibbs pulls him immediately but Nobody else really has lapses like that in terms of shot selection or in terms of like, I mean, Mitch early in the season would sometimes have lapses on defense, but those are getting a little more rare. Well, you can, you can see that like the, the team as in general was like doing a lot of stupid shit on defense early in the season. And as we've gone along, even like the vets, like, I mean, and this is a collective thing. So I, Mm -hmm. I do think like, it's not fair to just say like oh well evan wasn't doing shit on like they're all were fucking up on defense to start of the year uh shit even randall randall was like a space cadet on defense to start of the year he was mm-hmm. terrible um but like now they're all collectively getting there and to your point like you know uh like actually i think he gets annoyed at grimes when grimes doesn't shoot the ball like there are times where grimes tries to like get into his like i used to be a five-star point guard bag and Tibbs is like, dude, you're fucking open. Just shoot the fucking ball. Like, I don't give a shit about you trying to pass and create. Like, you're open, shoot it. That's all we want you to do, buddy. 
Tibbs rewards aggressiveness, but it has to be the correct kind of aggressiveness. So it has to be the aggressiveness he wants from you specifically, right? Ex- exactly. So that's an open question. What kind of aggressiveness does he want from from Cam? I think one way uh, Tibbs can work around this a little bit and help make everybody a happy camper is treat Cam a little bit like an RJ for the bench unit in some ways. Um, he he got a lot of pistol action in Atlanta, similar to how um, similar to how RJ does with the starters. Well, with everybody, but he plays mostly with the starters, right? So, like, by giving him structure in which to operate on the ball, then you make a you get Cam happy because he gets to dribble the ball and feel valued advantageously, um, and you get him in a structure with confines so he's not just like oh tween has he scoop jelly or whatever and hopefully that that's what happens because i don't i don't think he's gonna come over and go into the starting lineup no i don't um, I, I didn't even understand why people like people were acting like like you i'm sorry it's not like you gave up like two unprotected first for him like you, you're not no he's not coming in and like fucking are you kidding me no get the fuck out of here yeah yeah and and i know i'm higher on evan than most people on the internet and he's coming coming around he's He's coming around around on both ends he's getting a little more consistent on defense and he's uh he's doing his thing on offense a little more like everybody in the starting lineup um so i seriously doubt that uh that they're gonna do that which means you can pretty much throw in the trash our prior preference of like let's see what evan looks like with the bench like at this point keep the good times flowing let him play with the starters yeah I mean, if there, and if the... there's if there's a move to make with that starting group it's it's burks right and it's not because burks sucks it's just like yeah again you're asking him to do way too much right now um yeah and so, um, yeah yeah like the thing with evan too just i don't know this is a total tangent about what we we're actually talking about but like i just think uh i i have a very i have a theory that i've been thinking about with evan and i feel like <laughs> all of his post game quotes the last week or so kind of hint at it and i almost feel like he's like a big give the fucking ball to rj more booster because he's been talking about him constantly he's always like he's like he brought like yesterday he's talking about like or not yesterday the other day whatever it was after the mavericks game he's talking about like you know there's no ceiling with him if he that mid-range goes and like you know he's just i think like that time without randall like seeped into his brain and he's just like all right if we're gonna have any flow <laughs> this is how it needs to happen <laughs> yeah i think the other reason why he's probably down with that is because randall having the ball less means more opportunities not just for rj but for everyone yeah Be- yep. because it just means more like you're still gonna have randall ball he's still the most dangerous one-on-one player um He's the only one you can give the ball to and just be like, okay, do something without a screen. Just just make a shot. Just <laughs> right. create a shot. <laughs> right. RJ, even RJ still needs his screens most of the time. Um but he does his he likes to do his combo dribbles to nowhere though. I, yo, yo, they be working sometimes <laughs> nowadays. So do it. Break bust them out, RJ. But um yeah, so like anyway, those those types of more you know, it, it, the offense is te- is tending towards more egalitarian, and to bring it back to Cam, like I don't know how it's going to work with Grimes, Cam, and uh, and uh, uh, fucking and Burks in terms of like, okay, if none of them are starting, then like, what happens with that? I'm not super interested. Like, 
like I, I wish there was a way all of them could play, but it probably means less time for all of them. Um, but when Cam does get time with IQ and presumably Rose down the line, because you know Rose and IQ are not going to really have their minutes cut that much, mm-hmm. um, you're gonna you're gonna see you're gonna see. I think it's like with, with eight when AB's with those two, he has his kind of jack of all trades role and shot creation role when grimes is with them he has his his role which is just you know obviously in more off ball and cam is probably going to be somewhere in the middle so it just gives Tibbs another option and uh, i don't know how it's going to shake out but in terms of not speaking on the quantity of the minutes but the quality of the minutes i think there's a lot of ways they can let cam cook without really being like, all right, do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Like, I've seen all the reports and the quotes of like, you know, he wants to feel more involved. He wants to, you know, he wants to, he wants to get back to like who he was and all this shit. And like, yeah, I'm sure part of that is on ball reps. But like, I think it's more than that. I think it's probably... Also, like, you know, you talked about, like, he's played a lot with, like, Dellen Wright and shit like that. And, you know, they have Trey. They don't really have another creator on that team right now. That's obviously the biggest problem with them, right? Uh, or not the biggest. I guess that's not the biggest problem with them. But that is one of their problems. Um, and I just wonder if, like, there's a fun... Like, like was Fournier's problem that he wasn't getting enough shots? Or was his problem that he wasn't involved in the offense more. It was the latter. He got shots. They were just sticking him in the corner for them. <laughs> right. And so I wonder if like with Cam, it's a similar thing. And it's weird because one, the Knicks do not have the most flowing offense generally, though it's gotten better the last few, I would say the last few games, it's gotten better. Uh, it's still not ever going to be like, we're never going to be the Jazz or the Spurs or some shit like that. But it, it's, it's better. Uh, I think it's at least you're getting more side to side action. You're getting guys, uh, you're, you're cycling through more stuff, more actions for more guys. So I think that's helping. Um, but it's still not the most flowing offense, obviously. So that's something to, to look at. And I mean, look, the thing with cam is he's got all these, like, again, flashes. There are, fa- there are very nice passing flashes with the camp. There's no question about it. There are times where you're like, wow, what a pass, you know, like, holy shit. How did he see that? But then you look at the numbers, he's not much of a passer. You know, he's like, a, I think, I, I'll look it up right now, but I want to say he's in the single digits in terms of assists. He has more turnovers than assists in yeah. his career. Yeah, so, like, there's a little bit of, you know, uh, not, and I'm not comparing him as a player right now anywhere near to this guy, but uh, there's a little bit of, like, Jalen Brown to him, where it's like, you want him to be this amazing passer or this, like, wing creator, but like the larger sample of his career would indicate he is not that. Um, but like, that's okay. It just means, you know, can he make quicker decisions? Can he, uh, can he be a good passer without being the guy who is creating the advantage? You know, like there are guys who are good passers who just make very, very basic passes that build on advantages created for them and keep things moving over. You know, like Grimes got six assists the other day and he had one really, really nice pass to Mitch. But other than that, I thought most of his passes were just like very basic in the flow, like quick decision making passes. Um, 
And so that's that's what I'm interested in with him because, you know, there's the idea for of him. I, I think he probably has an idea of himself. Um, you know, he was, like you said, uh, number three, uh, the number three recruit in, you know, a very highly regarded recruiting class coming out of high school. Uh, he was a top 10 pick just, just about, uh, he's obviously been again, very polarizing figure, but there's a lot of people who have like, like the strongest believers in him. I think he was voted what the most, the, the player most likely to have a successful career by his peers. There's a that viral clip that always goes around of like Anthony Edwards saying that, you know, Cam Reddish was the hardest guy he ever had to cover coming up. And so like there is a lot of respect for him among his peers and yeah, even among like scouts and obviously NBA executives, even though that level is a little bit more polarized. Um and so I think like it is about getting him to like, hey, look, like, you know, clearly the Hawks, for whatever reason it was, I don't think it's entirely their fault, but it definitely is to some extent on them. Uh, they could not get him to be whatever they thought he should be, or maybe they didn't know. Maybe they did not have a clear plan. Maybe that was part he of the played, problem. He played. It was part of the problem, and anyone like he's played several different roles in his Hawks. He was the backup point guard for a large part of the beginning of his career, which is insane. He was. Uh, most of his minutes this year have been at the three. Most of his minutes last year were at the two. Um, last year, he was more of a play finisher. This year, he was relied on more to create stuff. So he's had a different role every year. And it's not an excuse. It's just kind of something that probably shouldn't have happened if they wanted to really develop him in a in a smart way. You, you don't – that's not – there's sometimes there's some guys who it's appropriate to kind of throw into different roles at a young age for to experiment, and there's other guys who's a, appropriate to give them a figure out what you want them to be and just tell them to be that. Yeah, and then you slowly you slowly let them do more and more, which is what the Knicks do with IQ and with Obi and with most of their young guys is, is which is more traditional. Yeah, uh, the the reddish uh, apparently the the reddish development plan in Atlanta was. Uh, akin to one. I don't think they had a plan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they had a plan. Yeah. That that's, I I mean, it, 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 that's very possible. It it also, yeah, it could just be as simple as like they drafted him and then they still sucked. And then they were, I mean, look, that's what happened with Knox, right? I'm not saying Knox failed because of the Knicks development path for him, but the Knicks didn't have a plan for him. They had the first year he was there. They were like, do whatever the fuck you want. The second year they were like, okay, we're trying to be good now. So be good. And and be like very good in this very specific role that we have for you, um, and then you know like it's hard to find your way then sometimes and yeah a change of scenery could do him good. Um, I I'm pretty interested to see uh, who they eventually move because I do think they're going to move somebody to this event- year. To- yeah, I, I I mean maybe maybe they don't care because he apparently look he's the, the other news that came out today is that he's his ankle. We'll probably keep him out for a few, a little bit anyway. Uh, that was all the timeline we were given, uh, is that it'll be a bit. So take that for whatever the fuck you want it to be. Um, but, but like, I wonder who they eventually move. I do think they'll probably move somebody before the deadline. I don't know who, I don't know for what, but, um, I, I would, I mean, I know that there's no like osmosis of if this guy is on your team and he's a similar player to Burr or to, to Cam, then, um, then, then he Cam will magically like you know inherit those skills and become that like that. There's no way to do that. But 
I do think it would probably make sense to keep somebody like Burks on the roster if you have Reddish, just because, I mean, you think of like the description of Cam and what he is. And, you know, even if you look at some of the injury struggles he's had early in his career, um, they're pretty similar to Burks. Like Burks was, you know, the guy was a fucking lottery pick in the same draft as he got drafted ahead of Kawhi, you know, like, like he was a highly regarded prospect. Um, and, uh, you know, he had a lot of injuries his first few years in the league and things in Utah were kind of fluid just because of a variety of factors. Obviously, you know, he didn't develop there as they probably hoped. He gets moved around, jumps around. But like, if you kind of like look at the players he ended up as, he's a pretty good, he's a damn good player. Uh, he's not a star or anything like that, but he's a solid fucking role player. And obviously you're hoping for more than that from Cam because he is younger. I mean, he's still 22, so it's not like, there's no chance he can pop, right? But um, in terms of like the type of player you're talking about, a wing who can create a little bit, who can pull up shoot, like who can be a three-level scorer to some degree. I mean, Burks is a guy who could probably, I mean, I, I've said this to you about RJ too before, like he's just a guy I would want to keep around in that sense of like, I, I just think he does so many things very craft. Like he gets the most out of what, he has athletically um and all of that especially at this point in his career like you know he's not the best he's not a good two-point scorer at all inside the arc he's not a particularly good finisher but like he is able to be efficient because he's a good three-point shooter and he draws fouls and he knows how to get to the rim and in a pinch you can put him in a pick and roll and he can create a shot for you for himself or for somebody else like that's the type of player he is and he's versatile like this is the other thing is yeah. Do we, is it smart that tips has him playing point full time? Probably not. Um, but like he at least is somewhat functional in doing so. And even then, like otherwise you can make him be the focus of your offense for stretches off the bench, right? We've seen that happen to great success many times in New York so far in his time here. Um, he can spot up off the ball. He can like, he can do a variety of things. And I think when you're looking at a guy like cam, um, you know, it's you, maybe you want him to be a jack of all trades, but like there's a way to go about doing that. And I think the way to probably go about doing that for him and for the Knicks right now would be to find a way to slot him into that bench group with IQ, with Grimes, whoever, um, and just let him play around there. Like let him figure it out because, you know, IQ is good about like, He's obviously developing himself as, you know, trying to become a primary ball handler. But, like, he is willing, he's more than willing, right, to just, okay, Cam needs to get a touch. Cam, like, he's willing to work with those, like, play off of others, too. So, um, I would, and you would hope maybe just, like, the energy of these younger guys in that group um, might bring the best out of him also. So, that would be, like, my idea for him. And, I know people will be like, oh, how are you going to do that? Like, Rose is going to be back. Kemba's going to be back. Like, I I still I still think, like, Kemba could very easily get traded. Even if Kemba's traded, how do you, do you, like, do you take IQ out of that bench unit and move him to the starters? I mean, probably, maybe. 